culture is doing its best to convince the world that there is nothing special about Jesus. As a result, our guest today believes that Christianity's most important historical fact, the resurrection, is often the most misunderstood, creating a powerless Christianity. Now, in his new book, our guest, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston, an acclaimed apologist and scholar, sets out to show why Jesus' victory over death is central to a believer's faith. Jeremiah, welcome back to The Morning Conversation. It's great to be back with you. It's Holy Week. This yes. is the Super Bowl week for Christians, so I couldn't be <laughs> more excited to be joining I you. I love that. That is so good. Again, we've had you on before talking about other books that you've written with Easter coming up here this Sunday. Really looking forward to talking to you about the topic of the resurrection resurrection and the book that you wrote on the resurrection. So let me ask you the question, like what led to the book? The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of the Christian faith. Without the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus, there is no Christianity. Mm. There are so many new evidences and exciting discoveries (laughs) that undergird all of the things that we believe in the scriptures about Jesus's resurrection. And so my new book gives you the seven best reasons to believe in the resurrection of Jesus, but even more importantly, why it matters today. So there's all traces from all of the evidences to practical applications in our lives and Mm. about three and a half hours of reading. Mm. Um, The newest believer right on down to the Christian who's been following Christ for decades, they're going to be totally caught up on the latest evidences for why we should believe that Jesus Mm. physically and bodily rose from the grave. And then those great applications. So it's something I'm so passionate about. Of course, I did my PhD on the resurrection. You know, I'm excited because so many people are excited about this book, which means they're excited about digging deeper into why they believe in Jesus's resurrection. I know that uh, writing is a labor of love, and I, I know you have some enjoyment but I'm sure it's still a grind at times as well. But thanks for making the investment. Oh, thank you. And, you know, it's so fun because, you know, we're living in the golden age of Christianity right now. There are so many great extra biblical evidences coming out that confirm the biblical narrative through the science of biblical archaeology and through more discoveries. And I'm tired of Christians going to Google instead of God's Mm. word. And I Mm. wanted to give with no prerequisites. You can hand this book to anyone. People are doing that. They're buying one copy for every one of their family members this Easter season just to brush up. Because why is it important? Well, when you think about the fact there's 260 chapters in the New Testament, there are 300 verses on the resurrection. So think about that frequency. And yet today, the resurrection of Jesus, for some reason, it's understudied. We honestly only really hear about it Easter week, or if you attend a funeral, whereas the resurrection charged the church every Sunday in early Christianity. I just feel like we needed an update. Hmm. And so I'm excited that that we're able to provide that by God's grace. Jeremiah, you, you say at the introduction of your book, many Christians are clumsy about the resurrection faith. Unpack that for us. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, I've given my life to study the resurrection of Jesus. I was on a national show recently, and the guy literally gave me one minute to state my case for the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus. But it's so funny, we live in a world that desires sound bites over substance, and that's just the world we live in. And so my job as a pastor and as a Christian apologist and as a brother in Christ is to 
guide believers by the hand to go further than their Sunday school understanding or their Bible study understanding of the resurrection of Jesus. Most Christians, if you said, hey, if you had a skeptical friend or family member say, hey, close your Bible and tell me, is there any other evidence for why we should believe in the resurrection of Jesus outside of what the Bible says? And we can say, yes, there's an abundance of evidence even outside the Bible. But the cool thing about all that evidence outside the Bible, it confirms we already believe in the Word of God. So I just want to help people have better, healthier conversations about their faith. And make no mistake, our faith is rooted in a fact of history. Mm. Why is Christianity different from Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, all these other things, these fantasy lands? It's different because Christianity completely emanated out of a historical event that utterly transformed everyone's lives who believed in it. Jeremiah, when I first came to know Christ, mm-hmm. like I had no background in Christianity at all. Eventually to begin to recognize and go, there's no question historically whether a Jesus who claimed to be God walked the earth. I, it, the only question is, who do you believe that he is? Which has always been the question, right? You need to recognize there's parts of this that are absolutely without question if you have a little bit of a knowledge of history. Yeah. And you can't deny the fact that even atheist scholars, they all concede and say, yes, we believe that those early disciples of Jesus, not just the disciples, but the hostile followers who became Christians like Paul, the ones who doubted like Jesus's brother James, we believe they all had experiences of seeing the resurrection of Jesus. They just stopped short of believing in it, Stan. Mm. It's remarkable. And so I think it's so fun when you start studying the resurrection, it energizes your spiritual life. That's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, therefore, after 57 verses celebrating not only Jesus's resurrection, But the fact that we will rise with Jesus eternally, physically, bodily, new heaven, new earth, Paul says, therefore, be steadfast. Be strong. Be immovable. Everything we do for God matters because of the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, and I think about that uh, scripture verse, if Christ is not risen from the dead, faith is, is useless. Like, no, it's that's the cornerstone. <laughs> it's a like devastating passage. Like yeah. Paul explains what rises and what falls. The resurrection didn't happen. I did an interview from London yesterday. A quarter of Christians, self-proclaimed air quote Christians, hmm. don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus and don't see it as a central tenet of the faith. Well, that's completely wrong. You cannot be a Christian if you don't believe in the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus. That's Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And so, you know, there's so many opportunities for us because Christianity's closest cousin is archaeology. Our faith is based in evidence. And then that gives us, whether we like it or not, we're living in a post-Christian world, right? And it gives us the opportunity to have really great conversations with people who don't believe, who are skeptical, they're so influenced by scientism. I know Lincoln is a university town. I know that there's a lot of great people across the state of Nebraska that would just like to have their hands on. What are the best evidences? So when I'm at a coffee shop, I can just leave some of my friends with a few of these. So, you know, it's been fun because it's energized my spiritual life so much. I think it's brought me close with the Lord. I have that living hope that Peter talks about in First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, because of the resurrection of Jesus. Jeremiah, you get out, you talk to lots of people about Jesus, about the resurrection. What's one of the most common skeptical responses that you've encountered? And, and how do you respond to that? The most common right now is just apathy. They haven't even Mm. thought about it at all. They're not even familiar with arguments against the resurrection because they just see the resurrection as irrelevant to their life. They see church as irrelevant to their life. And I come back to what Stan 
rise and what falls with Christianity in our Western world. The amazing amenities and freedoms and equalities that we enjoy in society right now come out of the Christian scriptures. I'm not saying they're perfect, but they're certainly the bedrock for those beliefs and those wonderful equalities that we enjoy. And so I probably start there. I think that's the biggest thing, especially with young people. You know, I'm a dad of five Gen Zers and just continuing to focus them on what stands and what falls with the Christian faith. I spend a chapter on some of the misconception theories, the deceit theories, the naturals of what could have happened. And you really have to have a lot more faith to believe, for example, that nearly a thousand people had a mass hallucination and they all hallucinated the same thing rather than just folding and saying, okay, I believe Jesus physically bodily rose from the grave. So they really don't hold water. And I show that. And the whole goal of this book is to help us first grow closer to the Lord, but also encourage us to have those healthy conversations, those crucial conversations where people like this week on Easter week, they're more willing to listen. They're more willing to ask those questions. And especially coming out of COVID, Stan, one thing that I've noticed is people are much more open to faith dialogue right Right. now than they were before. They'll give you a listen about Jesus Christ and about your faith, whereas they might have been even more closed-minded to it before. Yeah, but I'm sure you found what I found over the years, that uh, people who don't know God, they have more spiritual conversations than uh, Christians ever would imagine. They are curious, they're hungry, they're they're seeking something. I think a lot of Christians would be surprised at how much people who aren't Christians think about and talk about spirituality with their friends. Eight out of ten people we invite to church will come to church with us. Think about that. Mm. Because they're polite people, they want to they want to have friendships. I'm really concerned about men right now. One in seven men have no friends wow. at all. And so we have an opportunity to show the great community. I mean, Stan, you and I have a brotherhood in Jesus Christ. Mm. I mean, this is what's so great about our faith is where two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, he's in the midst, and there's an immediate connection that can even be deeper than a biological family Mm -hmm. connection when Mm -hmm. we're with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't want to hold that in. We want to take that message out to people. So, Jeremiah, you write uh, about three facts about the resurrection that even skeptics can agree are true. (laughs) That's a pretty intriguing uh, statement right there. So, what are those facts? Jesus really lived. It's what you said. Jesus is not a mythical figure. If we cannot believe in Jesus, we shouldn't believe in the Roman Empire. That's how great the the evidence is that Jesus really lived. Number two, Jesus really died on a Roman cross. That is the best established fact of the ancient world. And then number three, all of Jesus's early followers had experiences of seeing him alive. Critical scholars will give you, even skeptics will agree on all of that. They have a different interpretation of that event. It's not that they're not believing because of evidence. It's not that they're not believing because of an intellectual question. It's that they don't want to believe. They see the facts and they say, no thanks. They give it the Heisman and they walk away. Mm, Wow. You got to hear that, my Bridge family. Like where we are in your faith journey to recognize that there are absolutely things that, yes, that we believe by faith, but there's a ton of facts that faith stand is is founded on. That's right. And we got got to understand that. We got to know that. That's so good, Stan. And and again, Christianity is not faith in spite of evidence. It's faith Mm -hmm. in the evidence. It's faith in Jesus, faith in the facts of the gospel. And that's what's so amazing. I mean, we are living in a time where you know, many of our Christian brothers and sisters, generations before us, they didn't have access to all these evidence and manuscripts and fun discoveries. And, you know, when I think about the fact that 
the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, which is one of the two possible sites of Jesus's actual resurrection, when you think about the fact that that edicule was open for 60 hours recently, and all of it is first century, it's the right place, it's the right time. I mean, it just gives me chills. It gives me um, excitement in my mind and my heart to know that, wow, had we been alive that first Easter morning, which by the way, if you go with the date of AD 30, that's uh, AD, year of our Lord, 30, Jesus would have been risen from the dead on April 9th. Well, this Sunday, Mm -hmm. April 9th, (laughs) is Easter Sunday. So if you go, I mean, you're literally worshiping like they did at the tomb that first Easter morning, just so you know. Jeremiah, you you devote an entire chapter, and you mentioned it earlier uh, this morning already, to uh, very recent archaeological findings related to the resurrection of Jesus. So what do we need to know about these findings, and how do these findings support the scriptural narrative that uh, Jesus rose from the dead. I have two chapters on body of proof on archaeology, but what I want the audience, the My Bridge family to know is archaeology and all of the um all of the not only the archaeology ar- archaeological evidence but also the textual evidence, it overwhelmingly supports the resurrection narratives which are embedded in our gospels. That's the most important thing you need to know. There are atheist archaeologists like Jody Magnus at the University of North Carolina that are very familiar with Jewish burial traditions who say there's no doubt about it. The Gospels get it right as it relates to Jesus's burial, his death by crucifixion and his resurrection. And there's so many great discoveries that undergird that. But what I want people to know is there's not a body of archaeologists out there saying, wow, the Gospels really get it wrong. You know, they, they don't even explain it right how it really was in the first century. Nope, they get it right. It's exactly like it was. Jeremiah, so one of the chapters titled is, If the Disciples Invented the Story of Jesus' Resurrection, They Did a Terrible Job. So unpack that for us. What do you you mean by that? (laughs) Friends, if Stan and I wanted to invent a new religion in the first century, we would be um, idiots from a marketing standpoint (laughs) if we tried to tell it the way Christianity told it. Why would we make up the fact that our Messiah died on a Roman cross? Because again, there were 28 possible candidates. There are 28 men who have claimed to be the Jewish Messiah. A lot of people aren't aware of that. Only one of those 28 had a following that kept going and didn't disband after that leader's death, Hmm. Christianity. Stan, we would never say that it it was women who went to the tomb that first Easter morning. Women's testimony was not respected in the court of law. Women were not educated in the Mm -hmm. first century. There was a real pejorative bent against women, even in Judaism, by the way, which taught that better to uh, burn the Torah than teach it to a woman. And so we would never make that detail up, Stan. We'd never make up a detail of Jesus's body coming back from the dead physically because all of our Roman counterparts thought that resurrection was disgusting. In fact, the body was evil. The body needed to be thrown off so our soul could, you know, arise immortally. Um, So we're hitting all of the wrong notes. If you and I want to invent a successful plot a successful story. And so my job as a historian is just to guide your readers by the hand and say, and your listeners and just say, Hey, Stan and I would have been terrible at making up a story, you know, and why would we make up that, you know, half of us cursed Christ, Peter spoke for Satan when Jesus literally had to tell him, (laughs) get get behind me, Satan. You know, these are embarrassing details that you wouldn't include if your goal Hmm. is to raise up a huge following. 
in the Roman Empire. And so I think because of our historical distance, we just lose sight of that at some point. But mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, that's a really fun chapter. And it's a fun way to talk about the validity of the resurrection. When you think about the fact that Christianity exists at all, after all these embarrassing events, that mm-hmm. is a miracle. And the only way to explain the rise of Christianity in the face of all of these obstacles, in the face of the disciples who had given up, that's Luke chapter 24, verse 21, we had hoped he was the Messiah, is the resurrection event. It utterly transformed everything. It was the game changer. Jeremiah, before we let you go, you know, I'd love for you to speak to those who are listening this morning who maybe have lost someone in the past, right? So, and maybe they're, they're in the midst of grief still. And also maybe even to prepare some of us because we're all going to, the thing that's about, the thing that's interesting about death is its uh, record is still 100%. No one has, has escaped it. So we're all going to be faced with that whole reality. And uh, the Bible talks about uh, that those who know Jesus can grieve not like the non-believers who have no hope. So there's a hope to our grief that we experience when we lose someone that we love. And so I guess speak to the, the hope that the resurrection brings for the hurting heart today? That's such a wonderful question, Stan. Thank you for asking it. My heart goes out to everyone today who's suffering, who's struggling, who's doing what I call the hard work of grief. This may be the first Easter weekend without a loved one in your life or a friend, a significant person or influence or mentor. And the beauty of the Christian faith, and you might even find yourself like like the sisters in John chapter 11, both Mary and Martha said, Jesus, if you had just been here, this mm-hmm. wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. And yet, do you remember how Jesus responded to those sisters? I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me never dies. They never die. Um, what a promise from Jesus. Jesus is showing the fact that because of the resurrection, here's my word for you today. John 14, 19, because he lives, we will live also. That verse, John 14, 19, the promise of that verse is repeated 24 times in the New Testament, more than any other promise um, in the New Testament. We are promised we will rise with Christ. And so that's why stands right. We can have hope. We can have hope in the face of the fiercest grief because we can talk about our loved ones in the present who have died in the Lord. They're more alive today than they've ever been. They wouldn't come back uh, if they could, Second Corinthians five eight, to be absent from the body <laughs> is beautiful. to be present with the Lord. Lord. So we can grieve and hope. Yeah, so good. Well, Jeremiah, thank you so much. He is risen, my brother. Yeah, he is risen indeed.